0: Today is our congregational meeting. It's a day that I like to take a little bit of time just to reflect on this past year and also to look forward uh, into 2022. And as I look back, I'm amazed at how God has just worked time and time again in our church. I think about several people coming to know Christ. I think about several people getting baptized. I think about how God has been working in our student ministry. Uh, We have teens here on Sunday nights, and to watch them grow in their faith is amazing. We are able to have CIY on our campus, and and I was able to to build some relationships with some of our students, and I'm just amazed uh, about their faith and just their growth. I'm also excited for children's ministry here at Castle Hills. Uh, we have children uh, meeting uh, in, on our playground uh, right now, and, we ha- and uh, they're also meeting on Sunday nights, and we've seen growth in our children's ministry. We were able to have a vacation Bible school outdoors, and it was a challenge, and it was hard, but it was so good to see our kids grow in their faith. We were able to have a trunk retreat, and we saw guests from the city come. And so we've seen God just work time and time again. I'm excited that we were able to meet on our campus every week, except for that week that we had snow and ice, and God has allowed us to extend our digital footprint in amazing ways uh, that we can reach people beyond our city and actually all the way around the world. And so God has been so good to us. Our theme this year has been Thrive, and we have been determined that we are not just going to survive, but we're going to thrive. And yes, this year has had some bumps, and there's weeks that we just felt like we were surviving, if we're honest. There's times that we've been stressed out, that we've been exhausted. There's times that maybe you were sick or a loved one was sick. We've had death this year. We've had members die of COVID. We've had other people die of other things, and it's been heavy at times. But as a church, we've decided that we're going to thrive. And I love Castle Hills because we persevere and we have grit and we're going to keep on going. We know that we have an amazing God and we just have to keep on and keep keep our focus on Him. Which as I say the word focus, next year our theme is focus. There's a lot of noise out in the world. There's a lot of distractions. And we want to encourage you next year to focus on the most important things. And so as a church, that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about what are you focused on? Are you focused on the most important things in life? Now, there's a few things that I want to highlight for for next year. One of the things that we really want to develop more is we want to have more life groups. Uh, We want to have life groups throughout our city. And and one one of the things that I get on a regular basis is people want to join a life group, but we don't have life groups in every part of the city. And so we're looking for people to host life groups and we're looking for people to lead life groups. And so if you would like to do that, would you contact one of our staff members or one of our elders? Uh, Another area that we would like to continue to explore and to see what it looks like is church planning. We've been doing church planning in Japan for a number of years, but God has put on our leadership's heart the last few years that we would like to plant a church here in San Antonio. Maybe churches, we don't know, but we've been praying and we've been trying to figure out things. And, and I'll be honest with you, COVID has made us rethink some things. And we have to think about what does church planning look like in a COVID or post-COVID world? And so I would ask that you'd be praying and, and, help us, or, and asking God that he would give us wisdom as we continue to look at church planning. One of the areas that we're also looking at into to next year is we always take some time to think about what, is, what needs to be updated on our campus. We have an aging campus, and there's things that just need TLC. We've upgraded our multi-purpose building. We've upgraded our worship center. And there's many, many other things on our list that need to be updated. But one of the areas that we've identified is our playground area. Our playground area has been been used a whole lot the past couple of years, especially as we've been doing a lot of outdoor activities. And it's over 15 years old and and it's uh, served its purpose and it's been very good to us. Uh, It's used on a weekly basis and even it's used also by families uh, during the middle of the week, which does my heart well. I love to see our campus used as much as possible. But at the same time, we realize that it needs uh, some updating, it needs some new equipment. And so we're going to be researching and we're going to be figuring out the cost on that. And so at some point in time, at some point during the year, I'm going to come back to you after talking to parents and trying to figure out our true needs. And I'm going to be asking if you would help support support us as we try to get some new playground equipment and try to make that area uh, look top-notch. Another area that we're looking at constantly is how do we continue to build partnerships with ministries in our city? We love our city very much. And you've heard us talk about West Avenue Compassion and Acts of Hope and Ransom Life. And we're going to continue to look for those partnerships because that's who we are as a church. We love our city. We believe that God has called us to reach our city in a wide variety of ways. And so I'm excited for next year, but I'm also excited as we continue our sermon series called Christmas Through Joseph's Eyes. And we started this series last week, and I know many of you, and you've heard the Christmas story time and time again, but we're asking you to take a fresh look of the Christmas story through Joseph's eyes. And one of the things that I admire about Joseph is he was a man of character. And when I think about character, I think about a quote from Billy Graham. He said, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. The greatest thing that you can pass on to your kids is character. They can watch you and they can absorb uh, what's going on in your life. I I love what D.L. Moody said. He said, character is what you are in the dark. Character is what you are in the dark. You you can look one way on Sunday morning. You can look one way at your job. But who are you when you're all alone? Matthew's account of Joseph's story uh, is one of a scandal, if if you think about it. And Joseph and Mary were engaged, but Mary becomes pregnant, and Joseph wasn't the father. And, and you can imagine some of the tension that's there, and, and, and you can imagine what the, what the town would have thought. Here you have this, this woman that's pregnant, and, and you can hear the whispers, and, and Joseph's not the dad. And so we start off this Christmas story with a, with a scandal. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. I'm going to read this text today. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. And but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, in a few moments, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about marriage customs back then, and so this will make a little bit more sense. Verse 20, As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. As we dig into this passage, I think it is important for us to understand some customs in ancient Judaism. Jewish marriages were normally arranged by the parents actually at a young age, sometimes even in their elementary years. And at a point, uh, they would come to an agreement, a non-binding agreement, uh, that they wanted their kids together to get married. And now, once the girl reached puberty, the parents' agreement turned into a formal agreement. And normally, after this formal agreement took place, you had this engagement, and then a marriage ceremony would take place one to two years After this. And so, seem at this formal agreement, the father of the the groom would pay a certain sum to the father of the bride, which was often called a bride's price or a mohar in Hebrew, which was normally a large sum of money. Uh, One scholar said it was basically the price of a one bedroom house. And so, we're talking about a large sum of money that the groom's father would pay to the uh, bride's father. You also, and just so you'll know, this money was set aside, kind of like an insurance policy or a savings account. And so, if the groom divorced her, or if he died at an early age, this kind of worked as some money that she could have to get by in life. In addition to the bride's price, the groom had to give. A, in addition to the bride's price, the the groom had to give a bride a sum of money called a matin. A Martin. and and this too would help the bride if her husband died or divorced divorced her. Adam Hamilton, in his book Faithful, which we're using as a guide for this series, says it's similar to giving a wedding ring. It was something that cost a lot of money, and so he would give this to his bride, and it worked in the same way as a savings account uh, or as the bride's price. It was a, a sum of money that could be put aside, and again, if the uh, if the groom, uh, if, if her husband divorced her or if he died at an early age, again, she had a couple of little nest eggs there for her. Now, in our wedding ceremonies, both bride and groom take vows. But in ancient wedding, Jewish wedding ceremonies, the husband was the only one to make the promises uh, because many times women were treated as property. And so there was a contract that the husband would promise to take care of his wife. And if he died or divorced her, that she would keep the mohar and the matan. And in Mary and Joseph's time, this contract was signed at the engagement, not at the ceremony. So as soon as they became engaged, this is when this agreement would have taken place. And so the bride and groom were husband and wife, but they couldn't actually sleep with each other until the wedding ceremony. And if either one of them slept with, with each other or someone else, if they slept with someone else, and then, this would, then they would be considered an adulterer. And so now with this historical background, as we walk through the text, the news that Joseph received from Mary was devastating. I mean, you can imagine. I mean, hey, here he is. He hears this, and, and his... His wife, is the person he's engaged to, is pregnant, and he knows that he's not the father. And so he has this dilemma on his hand. On one hand, uh, he he understands that that the customary thing to do would be to call off the marriage. And he would go to the priest, to the public square, and declare what had happened, and and breaking off the engagement, And, and basically this would be calling out Mary. Uh, saying that she was an adulterer or adulteress and she would be publicly scorned. And, and if you look at the law of Moses and Deuteronomy chapter 22 and 21, 20, verses 20 and 21 and verses 23 to 24, uh, it says uh, the, the penalty is for her to actually be stoned. Now, if it doesn't appear that they were following this at this point in time under Roman rule, but even just the fact that this would take place, uh, that, that if Joseph did this publicly, and you can imagine how Mary would have been portrayed. You can imagine everything that she would have uh, went through, the scorn that she would have went through. A few men would consider marrying a woman who had, been che- who had uh, cheated on her fiancé. Mary would have carried a reputation uh, with, with her and her family, and, and she would have been disgraced. But Joseph didn't want this. Instead, uh, undoubtedly, he was heartbroken, but he showed mercy to Mary, and he decided to divorce her quietly. This likely meant that he would say that he changed his mind about the marriage, that, he, that uh, once Mary became pregnant, uh, that, he, that people would assume that he was a father, and he simply changed his mind that he, not Mary, would be seen as the dishonorable party in the relationship. He would take the blame. He would have the stigma upon him. He would take the shame uh, on him and not Mary. Uh, I want to read verse 19 again because I think it's powerful. It says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Notice the word "righteous man," and this would mean that Joseph was had uncompromising obedience to the Torah, to the law of Moses. Joseph wouldn't have eaten unclean food. He didn't mix with the wrong types of people. He didn't keep his carpentry shop open on the Sabbath to make a few extra bucks. And he was a person that you would want to be friends with. He was a good man. He was a righteous man. He knows what the law says. That needs to be done in a case like this. But he respects Mary, and so he decides to do this quietly. The New Testament scholar Dan Hagger says most likely the best translation of verse 19 is this Although he was a righteous man, he did not want to cause a scandal. Although he was a righteous man, he did not want to cause a, stand, a scandal. John Ortberg points out that in the old system, righteousness would have uh, righteousness would have demanded that Mary's sin be exposed. Uh, that that if she was pregnant by another man, that surely it had, that she cheated, and, and and that's what the old system would say. Sinners needed to be excluded. Uh, standards had to be maintained in the old, old system. Righteousness always separates itself from sin and sinners. Uh, a righteous man would not hesitate. Yet Joseph hesitated. He couldn't bring himself to say the words or or to go uh, to this public arena. Even though he was a righteous man, he he respected Mary. Uh, You can't help but think that he loved Mary. And he knew it was going to cost him his reputation. It was going to cost him money. It was going to cost him what people would think about him. And doing the right thing, even when people misunderstand you, Sometimes that's part of having character. Now, notice that the angel appears after Joseph made this decision. As I read that, I thought, you know what? It sure would have been nice if the angel would have appeared before that. But but you get the sense that Joseph had to struggle. He probably had some sleepless nights. He he was wrestling with what decision to to go through. And I think God allows us to, to struggle as well. When we're trying to make a big decision in our life and we're trying to decide, do I do the right thing or do I take the easy way out? And God God allows us to struggle. He allows us to go through some sleepless nights and through some tough times. And could it be that character is actually formed in the trials of life, in those sleepless nights, in those valleys of life? It's great to say that we want character, but are we willing to do the hard work to develop character in our life. I think it's likely that Joseph had many character-building moments before, and some he succeeded, and others he probably didn't. But in a world that seems so obsessed with our reputation and what we want, it's refreshing to see someone who is willing to risk his reputation for the sake of love. I want to end with this quote by John Wooden. It says, be more concerned with your character than your reputation, because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. So my question for you today is, do you have character? Would you pray with me? Father, I I thank you for this time to commune with you. I thank you for the cross, and not just the cross, but also the resurrection. And so as we take this time to spend time just reflecting on you, I pray that you would also show us areas in our life that maybe were lacking character, some areas that we need to to work on. Help us to become more like you. In your precious holy name, amen.